May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, in whom we live and move and have our being. Amen. Years ago, I spent some time in the desert wilderness outside Tucson, Arizona, walking through with gallons of water and placing them on paths where people had walked before us. We identified the gallons with Sharpie markers, writing things like pure water, agua pura, agua equals life, agua de vida. We left these jugs of water in various places, places that we'd found empty, discarded containers, and in places that we'd found empty, discarded people, people out of resources, people out of hope, unsure where their journey will take them. This is what I think about when I read the story of the woman at the well, that water equals life. Tangible water, thirst-quenching water and fleshy human life. So it always makes me wonder, did she actually give Jesus something to drink? When you're out on a journey and you run out of water, you fall behind. Lack of water equals death, especially in the desert wilderness. So for me, I can't help but ask the question, did she draw water for Jesus, agua de vida, for a thirsty stranger as he came to the well to rest? Did she present him with this practical human need before he taught her the words of life? Yes, it's easy to move past the request to the later part of the story, the promise of the words of life. But for a moment, let's not forget about the necessity of a parched throat. So often we get caught up with the end goal, the big picture, that we miss the little moments along the way, the small opportunities, those physical needs that so often get overlooked, physical needs, human needs of the flesh that we share or hoard. Jesus and the woman's relationship begin with an initial request, give me a drink. And we realize it is Jesus who does not have a bucket. The Samaritan woman asks him how he intends to drink and realizes that he can't do this by himself. He asks the woman to give him a drink. Jesus is thirsty at the well, and she holds the bucket. If you're thirsty, parched in the desert, you can't really open your mind to learn something new. And it's so easy for us to focus on, on words, on discussion and debate, and it fills us. And please hear me right, I'm not dismissing the beautiful promises offered to the woman at the well and offered to us 
throughout this gospel, they are life-giving. But when you need water, it's the only thing that will satisfy. Anything else, salty seawater, soda, alcohol, coffee, they worsen the symptoms of dehydration. When we're so full of answers that we forget compassion, that's when we miss the mark. That's when we need to be reminded that thirsty people need water. Thirst quenching agua de vida. There's a need, there's a request, and there's a response. Now this might feel particularly prevalent today and in these weeks. We keep hearing stories about runs on various essentials from stores as people prepare to hunker down and protect one another from the highly contagious COVID-19 coronavirus. Yes, people are preparing and are anxious. And stores are running out of canned food and chicken and sanitizing wipes and toilet paper. People are afraid. And with good reason, this virus is scary. This is a time when we begin to see so much more clearly how closely we are all knitted together. We will rise and we will fall as a community, as a people, and how we respond to this crisis. There is a balance between preparing and leaving enough for everyone else. If I have all of the wipes and someone who needs them doesn't have any, the virus might be passed to others and that hurts us all. We are woven together as a human community. So let's not let the reality of our interconnectedness make us afraid. Instead, let's look for the opportunities to help one another along the way. Now is the time for flexibility, for creativity and adaptability. Who would have thought that looking out for one another was keeping our physical distance from each other? So we adapt and pay attention and pray and call our friends and our neighbors and leave care packages safely on doorsteps and handwrite letters to elderly church members. Maybe we make an extra donation to that nonprofit or arts organization that you love who had to cancel their big event. And we especially at this time reach out to folks who are feeling vulnerable and alone, isolated and very afraid. Lift one another up in spirit. Because you know, even though it doesn't say it directly, I think that the woman at the well does offer Jesus something to drink. Regular H2O. She satisfies his thirst, his human needs, and he promises her new life. She is this liminal border figure, an outcast in her community, 
And in their conversation, Jesus speaks to her about her living situation and her husband's. But please don't hear that with a tone of judgment. Women in that day had little agency or choice in their living situations, especially as widows or through divorce. Her living situation was due to survival. That's something that we can certainly understand. He doesn't call out this maybe shameful history to exclude her or marginalize her further. No. This is about recognizing and knowing who she is. He acknowledges that this is, this is there. It's part of who she is and it's part of her story. But then Jesus moves forward. He continues in conversation, in relationship with this woman, this unlikely conversation partner. Not judging her, but seeing her, knowing her story. In the previous chapter, Jesus' disciples and Nicodemus are asking, how do you have eternal life? Well, here Jesus comes bringing them through Samaria, literally going out of his way to break down cultural barriers. Both Jesus and the Samaritan woman come from different worshiping traditions. These communities are neighbors, but because of their ritualistic differences, they don't mix, let alone share drinks. Some even chose to walk around Samaria to reach Galilee from Jerusalem rather than going through it. And perhaps, that habit didn't come from a place of malice or prejudice. Maybe it was just their habit and what they had been taught by their parents and their family. They never thought to question the path or reasoning for it. It was comfortable. It's just what's done. But Jesus leads his disciples to break that barrier down. She is quizzical about his request, this boundary crossing, these rules being broken, these habits and routines changing. Not only are they talking, but would he drink from her bucket that's been used all around Samaria by Samaritans? We hear this so differently today than ever before because we are intentionally caring for one another by not touching, not sharing cups or drinks or handshakes. So our task as Christians is to find a way to connect and to break down some cultural barriers, even in this time. Because we are unified in our mutual need for water. We can surely understand this today. Here, we are gathering to gather different clergy, truly living into the idea of the PCUSA as a connectional church. And you're gathering with us in different ways as well. In the next weeks, we'll have clergy from other PCUSA churches, and it'll look different than today, and we'll know more tomorrow. But we are unified by our mutual need for worship and for leadership. And you've joined us online and on the radio looking for a way to connect, a way to pause and to focus on God and our neighbors at such a time as this. Now, we Memphians have been through epidemics before. 
yellow fever, and cholera. And church communities have survived, but not without pain, not without sacrifice, not without a whole lot of love and patience and prayer, not without the beautiful promise of Christ's living water. We will rise or we will fall as a community together. Jesus gives the woman at the well the opportunity to respond, to meet Christ in a stranger. She doesn't know him. It's only after their conversation that she comes to understand his identity. After their drink, that she begins to recognize him for who he is. And she runs from the encounter not in fear, but in awe. And connects with everyone asking, is this really who I think it is? She brings her community into it. And they invite Jesus and his disciples into the town to stay for two days. She becomes a witness. And the people begin their own process of faith through relationship with Jesus. And that the community then becomes a part of the promise of living water. We learn that so many came to belief through her witness. Now, building relationship with one another and deepening our relationship with God is how our faith grows. We can do this through conversation and satisfying one another's needs for connection. Just knowing about God doesn't really do anything. You have to act and share your faith with others. When we share our faith and our questions and our lives with one another in deep and true ways, we identify and recognize how God is working in each of our lives. This is why the idea of social distancing is so hard for us. We so often find joy and support and belonging by gathering in person together. Community in the next few weeks will feel different. It will look different as the way we engage with one another changes. Suspending in-person worship and fellowship gatherings during this time seems counterintuitive to who we are as a Christian community. But as I wrote in a letter on Friday to our first community we seek to love our neighbors best during this time by protecting one another from spreading the coronavirus. As often happens, our journeys are strengthened by the people around us. So we're asking one another and asking ourselves to draw deep from our spiritual wells to bear together through this plague that has come to our community, to our country, to our world. The way we respond affects us all, not only for today, but for years to come. After their shared drink, Jesus offers the woman at the well living water. And she responds with her witness, her voice, her invitation to others to come and see. Jesus is thirsty at the well and we are the ones with the bucket. We, friends, each hold this bucket as we meet thirsty strangers every day 
In that interaction, in that opportunity, our relationship with a stranger has the opportunity to deepen. And that very same opportunity, our relationship with Christ deepens. Jesus has a need, and how do we respond? In the final moments of his earthly life, Jesus again makes the request on the cross when he cries out, Tango said, I thirst. Do we offer sour wine to Jesus on the cross? Offer lame gestures and false expressions of faith in him? Or do we draw deep from the well, our buckets overflowing with running water? Do we quench his thirst with our response, his thirst for our witness, for our discipleship, for our love? Quench his thirst as you meet Christ in the empty, discarded people. Meet him in the woman who has lived in the alley all week and the man in the parking lot asking for change. Meet him in the ones whose life has seemingly knocked them down time and again. In the father far from home with a child at St. Jude's. And a woman who needs a bus ticket to get away from a violent partner. Meet Christ in the ones who've been kicked out or shunned because they are transgender or gay. Meet Christ in the granddaughter who puts everything aside to care for an ailing family member. Meet Christ in the single mother going to bed hungry, never letting on so that her kids can have seconds. Meet Christ in the one who makes mistakes time and again and just can't seem to catch a break. Meet Christ in the wilderness places. Find mutually life-giving water together. The reality is Jesus is thirsty and you have something in your bucket to offer. By offering your water, the promise of the living water becomes almost tangible. Come to the well, meet Christ there in every thirsty stranger. Offer agua de vida. Amen.